We are back with another travel episode. We are on part three, and today we're going to cover specifically family travel tips, things that I generally have um, in my mind when I'm going with the kids. A lot of times my husband and I travel alone. When we bring the kids, it's a bit of a different vibe, a different atmosphere. And so today we're going to give you tips on how to travel on the cheap, travel safely, travel comfortably with your entire family. podcast. I'm your host, Mindful Musa, coming back with a part three of our travel series. And as you know, I'm very passionate about this series because I am a travel lover. So I'm actually traveling while I'm doing the podcast, which is also very interesting. When I come back, I think I might do in September because we're traveling most of the summer. We are coming back by the end of August. Um, I might do a kind of like lessons I've learned on this last trip because we're doing a bit of crazy travel here and there. And I know in the end, I don't know, I just have a feeling because of COVID and the way things are going, it's gonna be a little crazy. Now, if you wanna know specific COVID information, we're gonna cover that in part four, which will be the next part. But in this one, we're gonna cover family travel tips. And for those of you who don't know me, I'm a licensed educator, mom of five, and just a big sister to the community. A lot of you DM me all the time. Continue to DM me on Instagram. You can leave us a review here in the podcast. You can catch us on our email, mindfulness at mindful dash muslima m-u-s-l-i-m-a-h dot com and we also have a website www.mindful-m-u-s-l-i-m-a-h dot com we have tons of um, resources for free and things that we do all the time all right all right so let's get into it so let's talk about one of the just some some really really basic things i would say are just must have must do's and stuff like that um what i do is i always pack ahead. So one of the number one things I would tell parents are pack ahead because you're always going to forget something. And it's really annoying sometimes when you forget something in another country because you just can't assume they carry that. Or sometimes you'll spend your entire first couple days just looking for that item. I have done that. I had forgotten my daughter's floaties. We wanted to go swimming. And so you think, well, floaties, see, like here in the U.S., we're so spoiled. We're just like, ah, just buy it on Amazon. It'll show up at my door tomorrow. We're in other countries, like you don't know where to get floaties, let's say. Like here we'll go to, we know what stores we go to, right? Go to CVS, go to here and there. But I've been in other countries where I was in, let's say, more rural areas. Like where am I going to go pick up some floaties? Like it's not likely. And there was a beautiful pool and wanted the kids to swim. And it just made it... um, a more difficult experience, let's just say. So the fact that I forgot that was just oh so silly, but sometimes, you know, and we didn't realize so obviously out after we got out of the airport where that might've had it and stuff. And then it just became um, an annoyance because we could have just easily just relaxed and went in the pool and then it was like, oh, so now I have to swim a different way. We had to plan it a different way. So little things like that. So to avoid such things, um, I basically always pack like a week ahead and I leave the bags there because I always go, oh my goodness, I almost forgot. Oh my goodness, I almost forgot. So I tend to not do last minute packing because that's a perfect way to leave stuff behind that is usually really important for your kids um, that you don't want to forget. Um, number two, for accommodation. So I mentioned the past one, so I kind of give this one away a little bit, but I'll talk a bit about it more in detail now, is I always get an apartment. 
uh, with the kids, when I travel with the kids. With my husband, we tend to use hostels. We left a backpack. We pay 20 bucks a day, 15 bucks a day, 30 bucks a day. We stay in the most expensive parts of Europe. That's a way to travel Europe, by the way, on the cheap, is if you use hostels, H-O-S-T-E-L-S, I believe that's how you say it. And so those, that was taught to me a long time ago by a fellow traveler. And so subhanAllah, the only thing is those are not, like you can get private, so some people think you have to do those and share bathrooms and share rooms with strangers. I refuse to do that. I know like some um, Westerners or non-Muslims will do that because that's, I, to me, that's just like, I'm a woman, I'm not gonna stay in another room with people I don't know. And then you don't feel uncomfortable to leave your bags. Is someone gonna steal something? No, I don't do any of that. There are plenty of hostels where you might have a joint bathroom, you might, but it's still for only females or only males. Um, and then they will also sometimes have the bathrooms in the room and then also have just a private room. So we get, my husband and I get just private rooms, usually with the bathroom inside. Like I said, once in a while, there'll be one outside, but for the most part, like it's very comfortable. It's just like a very, how do I say it? Very low budget room. It's very basic. Like there'll be nothing in the room, like the bed and the bureau. Sometimes there's a TV, sometimes there's not. But you, the whole point is like, we literally just sleep there. We wake up, we're not looking for a hotel experience. Then we go out and we see all the sights. We spend the whole day outside, we come back, we sleep. And we tend to like hop around and stuff like that to different hostels. But when we don't have the kids and we're traveling as a family, no way. We make sure we have plenty of room. I remember we were in Turkey and it was snowing and there was not a lot of outside stuff. Like if you went to go outside, we were at Istanbul and the hills were very steep and it was snowy. We had little kids. Just walking down the street to get a cup of coffee was, was really not fun. So what we make sure we do in the future, and I did um, this time and since then, is we just get apartments. And when you get apartments that way, your kids can run around, they can have space. When you get a teeny little hotel on a budget, you know, like it's more stressful because your kids are in such a tight space. They're jumping up and down. I know some moms are probably nodding their head, know what I'm talking about. Like, mommy, 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 where are we going now? When are we going anywhere? Blah, 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 blah. It's very stressful. The whole point of vacation, when enjoy yourself, I always think ahead. Another thing I think ahead with the accommodations are the beds. Double check when you go to rent the apartment or whatever it is. And you don't have to get apartments. I don't always get apartments. We do sometimes do hotels, but usually mostly domestically because it's just you know, apartment renting. I don't like to do it in my own country for some reason. I don't really do it. I, I do it once in a while, but it's mostly an overseas thing um, just to save money. But I'll do like hotels locally in the US. Um, but I just have to know, like I said, how to budget and where to go and stuff. And so um, when I go overseas, you just have to check the beds. I don't know what it is for some reason, but like they love to give you a single bed, like as if my husband and I could sleep on a single bed, right? It's really, really small. It's really uncomfortable falling off we did that only once we learned that lesson really fast we're like okay we have to make sure the bed is a certain size they have a certain amount of beds um you might want to check if they have rooms so you can have a private room your husband yourself and the kids in another room or sometimes they have pull-out couches that's a way to save money they'll have a pull-out couch where um you could sleep on the couch with your husband and put the kids in the room or vice versa you could sleep in the room put them on the pull-out couch there's usually tons of options so, but either way an apartment is usually always the way to go with kids because you save money and you also um, have a lot less headache and space. Allah forbid it rains that day, you're stuck inside more. It's not like such a big deal because you're not cramped in a tiny little thing watching TV. Um, 
The other thing is sometimes kids will stay for free. So if you shop around, for example, when I was going for Antalya this time to book, um, they said kids under a certain age were free and sometimes they were like eight and under. So sometimes you could do that. You just have to check room capacities. A lot of times there's a lot of back and forth about the room capacity. It was very difficult in Ethiopia and it was very difficult in Turkey when I went to book this time around in this summer, in the summer, not outside the summer, because um, people booked up family rooms and suites and apartments very fast so definitely obviously book ahead um so that is just something to think about with safety i do want to say something every country has their own safety so what i would say for moms is when you rent these apartments take a really good look at the pictures um sometimes they'll have windows we went to one beautiful apartment i think it was in malaysia big beautiful windows you would look out and you would see the city but it would, they were in the children's bedrooms with no locks. If the children would have opened the windows, they would have fell right out without bars. Because of that reason, I like, I like couldn't make them sleep in the rooms and we rented those rooms. So it was very like, I just didn't think to look at the locks. There was, it was just very dangerous. And I, I was like, I'm not gonna sleep and then wake up and you know, or like whatever. So Alhamdulillah, it was something where like, you just always wanna check that. In situations like Dubai, like I've told you before in the Gulf, they tend to have balconies. The balconies are shorter. And I, I'm so sorry to say that children tend to fall off a lot and and it doesn't go well. And so um, I think for that's, that's something they talk about, but there's different um, regulations. When my son went to school in Dubai, um, uh, even there, like the regulations for safety were very poor. So even though it's a really great glitzy place, when it comes down to actually living there and going to school or work, it's a very different life. I've done a previous podcast, I believe about that. Um, but definitely, definitely just understand that safety is different in different countries. Um, for example, car seats, right? In many countries, they're just like car seats. What? You don't need car seats to drive. If car seats are important to you, you're going to have to bring your own on the plane because in many places they don't have them. Now, sometimes you can rent them as part of the car rental and sometimes you can't. Like when we were in Oman, I think it was an option, but like nobody did that in Sudan. Nobody really were like Oman. They were kind of like, eh, who cares? Like, so in many countries, once you leave the U.S., like in when I was in Thailand, they had small children, three years old, in the back of a motorcycle with the family and just not even strapped in. Everybody's just holding on to each other. God forbid there's an accident. That child's flying. So this is very, very common in other countries. Don't be surprised. They have a very different version of like what is dangerous. And so you just have to take precautions for yourself based on what makes you feel comfortable. All right, let's get onto the plane. So with planes, um, I don't mess around with the planes. I always try to get like a block of the seats in the middle of the planes where we just have our own. There was a recent trip. I think I took it. I think it was to Florida. We had to get a little bit of a tit for tat with the um, flight attendant because it was COVID. It was really weird. And she split us up, even though we had seats or something or she wouldn't let us just switch with the person next to us. So we were sitting next to a family member and not a stranger in between us during a COVID pandemic. And <laughs> she was just a feisty, that's all I can say. It's a nice word I could say. It's a feisty like flight attendant. And I've never met anybody like that because I was like, you know, this is your job. Like you're not really supposed to talk to people like that. But she was just, she was making fun of me. She was like, pandemic what? What do you want to do? Do you like some special attention? That's your seat. That's his seat. You can't switch seats. And I was like, but like all he has to do is go to one right over and switch and then we're not mixing during a pandemic. I thought that was crazy. Like, why would you want us to mix 
and you know you'd want his families to stay separated there was obviously that's the other thing be prepared when you get on planes that even though it's covid and there's these strict regulations in many countries um in the beginning of the pandemic in the u.s they were only booking the flights at a certain capacity you had to have a seat between you and the person next to you sometimes there wasn't it two seats and it was like oh people are taking covid really seriously i got on the plane i guess i guess airlines got tired of losing money and i got on the plane a couple months later weeks later and it was like mashing us all together and like i said even asking us to intermingle between families and sit right like shoulder to shoulder next to someone so i didn't want to sit shoulder to shoulder next to a man and that was very not okay with me and my husband we always sit in a way where i don't sit next to a man and he doesn't sit next to a woman we always do it on purpose and the point was that she but thankfully the guy who was next to me he saw how i didn't feel comfortable and he was like it's okay ma'am i'll just switch i'm okay with switching like i can do that if i want to and he switched. I was like, thank you so much. And then she went on about it over and for like 45 minutes on the plane. The lady kept talking about me. But I was just like, weird. It's just very strange to me sometimes, things that happen. But anyway, alhamdulillah. So that is something to think about. Like the seating situation, we always try to make it like really spaced out from people. Because you never know, the kids get tired. It's a long flight. It's 10 to 15 hours, 20 hours. You want They want to like get out the seat. They're not going to stay there. They're going to jump all around and stuff like that. Um, if you can... Book your flights at a certain time where it would be nighttime. I know you can't always do that, but it's sometimes to your benefit. If you go like beginning of the day, the kids are going to be up in the plane the whole day and it's like, oh my goodness, so difficult depending on the ages of the children. If you book a flight at night, which we tend to do, um, you'll get a flight, let's say 7 or 8 p.m. By the time you get inside, the kids are so tired from walking through the airport and going through customs. They get in the seat and they often will get a couple good hours of sleep. And then by the time, you know, they wake and stuff like that, at least you've got something. But when it's midday, it is a bit hard. So if you're able to do that, I would suggest that. Um, as far as the plane, we always bring like, these basic things on the plane. I think every mother brings, which is like wipes and gum and um, some types of, and I say gum because there's, I don't give gum to my children really, as long as they're the right age, right? Um, for choking and stuff like that. But like, I don't give them gum, but when you go in the plane, obviously your ears pop. And then the, the secret for that is chewing gum because it's the more saliva that you make, it actually slows that down. So we let them all do that. And they're like, yay, gum in the plane. And then like, once we go up and then the food's coming, we take the gum back, obviously, and we throw it out. But definitely that um we always have things to keep them busy i know people just like throw their kids on devices we're not like that we don't think like 12 to 16 hours of devices straight is really great for children and so yes we'll let them watch some stuff on the plane but we also try to bring little activities for them and we get them really excited like we let them pick them on amazon before or we let them pick them at the local store i'm not like promoting amazon there's no sponsorship but you know this is just the life we have here now it's just what everybody does um, you know, we go to the local store, um, we go and just get something that's like a travel thing, and then we do it together. We try to have some time. I always love to bring books. I'm a bit of a bookworm, so I like to, like, at some point, everybody leave me alone. Mommy's just going to read a book, you know, and sip some tea or something. But um, alhamdulillah. And the other thing I would say is less is more. We tend as mothers to always, like, freak out and, like, pack everything under the sun. But then we just carry it all around. We don't really need it. I tend to try to switch up my children's clothes where they can like wear something more than once if it's possible obviously smaller children will make more messes and we know that so there are more clothes that we bring for smaller children but like for my son for example i bought him like a black pair of shorts like long shorts so he could pray make sure he could pray a long pair of shorts a long pair of um 
gray ones, black ones, blue ones, like they're very versatile, so I could just switch things out. Now, if you go into other countries where you're gonna buy clothes for yourself, like our trip now, we're only gonna bring probably like a couple of outfits, even though we're going for multiple, multiple weeks, because the rest of the time we're gonna be purchasing things there and filling up the suitcase, as opposed to packing out the suitcase, then trying to add things in and pay all these fees. You know what the fee is per suitcase coming into the US? It's over $200 per extra suitcase. It's like 250, 75. We just had family coming from overseas. That's what we were busy doing before we left. It was kind of a crazy situation, but we had multiple people staying with us and they were bringing all these luggage and they were telling us how much they paid and it was really a lot. So if you can do that, it's better. What we do sometimes do is we take an extra bag that is of carry-on size. So for example, if everybody is able to carry two pieces of luggage, what we do is we only carry one, but we put in an additional luggage inside of our luggage. So I'll have my own luggage with the luggage inside of it. Either that fits exactly in the inside of that one, or that's almost like a duffel bag that will be the exact size. We bring locks. We usually wrap our stuff with plastic and stuff to deter. It's not, it's not always going to work, but we try. But the point is that way when we come back and we bring gifts, we don't have to look for a bag to buy it to bring gifts in, right? That's a like a little tip there for you. And so we have we just take out the duffel bag and it's, it's, it could like roll up and fit right in the bag, right? And then we just fill it up with things. And I come back now with two bags that are airplane size or check-in size and my husband, and we just check them in and we wrap them with wrap and everything. <laughs> I remember I was in where I was, I think it was on the way back from Turkey and there were some guys from Nigeria and I was standing in line and I was trying to get my bag bubble wrapped and like, you know, whatever, with the plastic wrap. And the guy kept leaving the station and it was the point where I had to get on the plane and I was like, oh my gosh, I can't get it wrapped. And these guys were so smart. I guess they traveled from Nigeria with like a huge thing of saran wrap. That was the, you know, the big size. And they were wrapping their own bags with that. And I was like, can I pay you 50 dirham? I saw he, he was using dirham. I was like, can I, I don't know why, maybe he's come from somewhere else. I was like, can I pay you like just 50 dirham to just like, but like wrap my thing right here. And they were like, yeah, for sure. So like, subhanAllah, you know, we all wrapped our bags, you know, and so subhanAllah, um, give it right back. And they were happy with that. They made 50 dirham and that was it. So sometimes you'll find really nice other people traveling who will do things like that. You know, don't be afraid. I just had my husband approach him and that was totally fine. And so alhamdulillah, um, yeah, but like we always try to do that stuff. Sometimes you can invest in locks. You know, you do your best, but it's it's just, it's a qadr of Allah, my chef. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. But you do always do your best. I tend to not pack anything in my suitcases that are very meaningful to me. I like literally refuse. If there's something I really love, like a dress I really love, I tend to put it in my carry-on just because I've had that experience once before where a bag was lost for a week. And I remember that feeling and it had tons of stuff that was really important to me. And I didn't know if I was ever going to get it back. And alhamdulillah, I did eventually get it back. But the point is, it's just not something you want to do. Um, when my husband and I travel, we backpack. We never check in bags at all. We live in a very, very, just only carrying what we need, super minimalistic. But with my kids, we do have to bring a carry-on and we check it in. And alhamdulillah, like you just do your best, like I said, to do it, to do it that way. Um, just to let you know about um, bringing things on the plane, like sometimes they'll have these check ahead things. You know, you guys in the US, you can pay for, <laughs> I have family downstairs and then all the kids are laughing. Um, you could pay for all these things to sometimes like bump up, go ahead. Like whenever they call you on the plane, usually they'll let the children and the mothers go first. So always sit by the beginning where they're going to let you go into the plane because oftentimes that is a, a really great perk. They will let the parents and the children and stuff to go on first. So don't go all the way in the back and have to rummage through and stuff like that. So it's really, really good to sit towards the front when you're waiting to get on the plane from the airport. And then lastly, I just want to say something about um, accommodations. Like if you can, um, 
trying to explore accommodations outside the main part of the city. I, I mentioned that in the previous one, but I just want to say it again here because we get really cheap accommodations. For example, in um, and this is our accommodations, and then I'm going to tell you for fun, for fun for the family as well. Because what happens is, um, I'll give you the example of Dubai in the U.S. Now, Dubai in the U.S., are very expensive places to go. You're going to find like crazy prices, crazy prices. I remember the first three days I was staying in Dubai when I was going to live there, I was trying to find an apartment. And so we had to do hotels. We had to buy food outside. I remember, no joke, spending $1,500, $1,500 um, in three days because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know where to go. I thought I had research, but I hadn't planned. There was some delay. Our apartment wasn't ready. Like, there was a whole thing. Point being, if you don't know where to go, you can say, wow, everything's so expensive here. It's the same thing that happens when people go to Manhattan and Times Square. They're like, this is so expensive. Well, you're in the most expensive part of the country or the province or the state or the emirate or whatever. But if you go right outside, so what happens is once we started living in Dubai, we didn't really do anything fun in Dubai because Dubai is really expensive. It's just like, and when I say really expensive, I mean really expensive. Like if you want to go for your whole family, you're going to blow everything. And that's why that's that saying that everybody has about Dubai. Like they go there and it's just dunya, dunya, dunya. There's many of good things about the Emirates, okay, to go visit as a family. It's a very family oriented place to go. However, if you do stay in Dubai and you do go into all the things they have there, you will blow every penny you have. And it is not a good feeling when you go home. You're like, oh, I have nothing left. That was, you know, it was fun, but like everything is obnoxiously priced. So what we do is we go to the Emirates that are right next to it and they're very close. Sharjah and um, what is the other one? Um, Ejman. And they have so much cool family stuff. We had our most favorite family water park and when I say water park, it wasn't like a water park with slides. It was just for the kids, just like running around with the buckets of water dumping on them, the sprinklers everywhere. And it was right next to the masjid. And it was right next to a beautiful place for tea and food. And it was right next to a theater. It was right, it was just like, it was like this place if you wanted to go to do anything, it was right locally there. They had like, you know, the regular like bumper cars and things like that. If you want to take kids, they had like, um, you know, rides. Like you could do other stuff right outside of the main part of the city and it was cheaper and for the people who want to come um, visit the u.s it's the same thing you're going to go to the hot spots and they're going to be incredibly priced so for example you're going to see like a bottle of water in manhattan when you go to buy a bottle one small teeny weeny bottle of i don't know whatever it is eight ounces of water you will pay four to five dollars us dollars and you're like whoa this is crazy it is crazy even we live here we wouldn't pay that so we don't buy water in the city like we'll go outside or go to a small mom and pop shop or bring a, a cooler in the car. Bring it, like, you know, it's the same thing. I remember in Dubai, the one thing that was really difficult for me was I love to make smoothies. And in Dubai, to get berries, like raspberries, blueberries, blackberries, you wouldn't imagine it was incredibly expensive. And so you would pay like 16 dirham for a teeny weeny little thing of strawberries. I'm talking like, I don't know, by the time you're done, it's like $6, $7. It was like buying organic from the really expensive health food store in the U.S. And that if you want to have smoothies every day, that would be ridiculous. So I went to um, the outskirts and I went to Edgeman and then I would get fresh, fresh, fresh ones for like three dirham, four dirham at the markets and I would haggle with the people and I got a whole bunch of them and I would keep some fresh and I would freeze the other and I, my husband would drive me to the other emirate like once or twice a month and I would just get a whole bunch of berries and bring them on in. So, so like at first I was bummed. I'm like, oh man, I can't have that here. But if you just go right outside, like I said, a lot of times you'll find other options. 
even for family fun and things like that. It's the same thing in the US. When you come here, you're gonna go to the biggest spots, you're gonna pay the most money. And if you just explore a little bit on the outside, you'll find it a bit cheaper, right? So I just wanted to give you these um, little tips for family. I'm probably gonna have a ton more as I continue to travel with my family and learn more and more, but I hope they really help you and I hope they have you have an easier, cheaper time with your family. Really, really, um, there is just so much. This is last that I'm here encouraged us to travel. My children have been to so many countries, I cannot tell you. And again, on the cheap, right? We're not rich. And, and the experience that they have, that they see in the world. Like when I taught my son about Buddhism and Hinduism, I took him to, that's why we went to Southeast Asia. It was a complete history lesson, a social studies lesson, a religion lesson. And we went around and he saw that people from so many religions, Muslims and Christians, they were all living side by side and nobody had a problem, right? And we, we went to all these places and instead of showing him in a, in a social studies book, in a history book, um, we went and saw it in real life. Tell me how much more that will mean to a child in terms of the way they see the world. So Rasulullah said that this is a really great way to open up your mind. Traveling is very good. And if you can do it, do it. And if you can't, you make da'a, Allah make it easy. And I will continue to bring you one more. We have the last part that is the COVID stuff. And that one's a little tricky because COVID is changing every day. I'm talking about travel regulations. If you go all over YouTube, Instagram and everything right now, um, and follow any travel bloggers, they're telling you every day it changes. The country's open, the country's closed. This is the, So like at the point, I'm going to let you know that I pre-recorded it. So I'm going to give you some general information because I had to pre-record because I learned when you go to certain countries and you try to upload the podcast, it does not upload. So instead of risking you guys missing an episode, I want to make sure. So I'm doing the research before, but at the same time, it might not be like up to the minute. So bear with me there. All right. Love you guys for the sake of Allah, and we'll see you in the next one. Assalamu alaikum, rahmatullahi, barakatuh.